right, welcome back to the big program. Six degrees in Edmonton just after 8 o'clock and that wild ACDC music. It means that we're going to bring in Mark Spector. Uh, you know, really good weather coming up this weekend. It's going to be outstanding for uh, Thanksgiving for sure. Uh, on the Mark is powered by Booster Juice. Download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritional smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day. As we were just hooking up with Mark Spector, our daily guest at 8 o'clock here on Sports 1440. Again, beautiful day, uh, uh, beautiful week, I should say. It's going to be a little chillier coming up tomorrow and Thursday, but man, the weekend is looking really good for uh, Thanksgiving and everything like that. So. Uh, Oilers with a 4-1 victory last night in Seattle. Two games left in the preseason. Calgary and Seattle here Wednesday and Friday. Then it's off to Vancouver on October 11th to kick off the regular season. Back home on the 14th uh, for the Oilers home opener. As we welcome in Mark Spector to Sports 1440. Good morning, Speck. Did you have a little bit of a late night watching the Oilers and maybe some Monday night football? I uh, didn't see any football, but I did watch the Oilers play. So uh, that was, you know what, mm-hmm. it's funny. There's not a lot of goals in the preseason. <laughs> they did get to four yesterday, yeah. but there's been a lot of 1-1 hockey that we've been watching, hasn't there? Well, a lot of it. And and maybe it's just the fact that you're moving players in and out of the lineup. And I think maybe you'll see this week, I think you'll see offense maybe rev up a little bit, uh, depending on what opposition brings to uh, the home games here. Um, the last game is always, I always figure that that's the lineup that you're going to see on almost opening night. I, I'd say it's like 95% done. Uh, that's that's what I think will happen on the last game, uh, the Seattle game on Friday. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no question. Like, you know, they will. They, they tend to run, uh, you know, they want their four lines. They certainly want their special teams. They have a dress rehearsal in the last game. So the Seattle game on Friday night, yes. Uh, you'll basically see it'll be like a divisional game, right, mm-hmm. with Seattle and Edmonton. So that'll be good. We're getting closer. They're going to make some cuts here uh, before the Calgary game on Wednesday for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, you know what? They're going to get down to about 20, I'll bet you, 25 guys or, yep. or so. So the hockey's getting better. Like, uh, you know, and- it's been kind of fun. Like, guys, like, there's been a couple of unknowns, right? A guy like Gleason, mm-hmm. like who... Who was talking about Gleason, Ben Gleason, when this thing started? And uh, every time he plays, we're saying, man, that guy's pretty good. <laughs> Again, he was uh, two assists last night, and I said off the top, it's gonna. Be, we need to have uh, one of those lines, uh, you know, Ben Gleason, sis, boom, ba, to the uh, Moon Norton, because uh, the old the Honeymooners uh, episodes, you know. <laughs> only you and I, and, and we're going to have Bryn Griffiths on later. That's about the only guys that can remember that stuff far ba- that far back. I'm too young. I'm too young oh, for that. come I on. What? Too young, Kev. But, I'm not old like you. Yeah, but Gleason is pushing guys like, you know, and, and Philip Broberg had a pretty good game last night. You know, he did. So yeah, Robert's a, f- a funny cat, isn't he? Yeah, like he's he plays such a quiet game, and and you want to say, you know, come on, stand out, do something, and he, you know what, he stands out by you know, sometimes. Like, let me go back. Mm-hmm. He was in Penticton last year, mm-hmm. and he was by far the highest pedigree player and the best player in the ice almost every night. And he didn't do anything. Like, he didn't ever take you out of your seat even once. He played the game in the rocking chair trying. I didn't like his. I thought, come on, man. you got to show me something here. And now in this preseason, it's the same. Like, he's just a quiet player. But you know what? He's 
I think when we talk about games that the Oilers are only giving up one goal, uh, I think you have to look at their defensive play, and he's part of that on his plate, I think, three or four games. So, mm-hmm. you know what? He's, you got to watch him close to see the things you like because he doesn't jump off the page at you. But, you know, he made that backhand soft yes. last night to Borgo, which was a beautiful pass. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm trying to figure out what – there's a player there. I'm just trying to figure out what kind of player he is. That's all. Yeah. Uh, well, half of it, sometimes less is more. We've, we say that For sure. a lot. Um, For sure. And then, again, when you, when you go back at it, and not just yourself, but all the reporters, all the people that are analyzing fans, they, wanna, they, they almost want to make him to be something that he isn't. Let him kind of find his way. And oh, what is he? That's, well, I guess what I'm asking you. That's what I'm trying to figure out is what are his strong? You know, what are his strengths? Like, what's what are the things that we can you're going to count on this player to do? Or okay. maybe he's still figuring that out. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of both. He's going to get back to the puck quick. He's going to get yeah. it out quick, which you want. Um, I've always been saying, like you know, the whole analytics thing, first pass and yada yada. Yeah. I, I just say, I'm still from old school. Like when in doubt, get it out. Um, you know, I don't care if you got to bang it off the glass or whatever. The further the puck is away from your net, the better you are. So I mean, he's going to be able to get back. But once he's able to recognize the play set up and recognize where he can make that outlet pass, that's when you're going to see, oh. This is the kind of player he is. But he's still got offensive ability. He sees the play play well. He's able to make um, uh, that pass. Like, again, that backhand pass, that was on the power play. But he can find other players where they are in soft spots. And Xavier Borgo was in that soft spot on that play. So, yeah. again, I, I maybe we just got to give him just a tad more time. I don't know. Well, tad more time and experience. Like, he's a young – you know, what did he play last year? I, I, I looked it up the other day. Was he a 40 40- – about a 40-game guy last year. About that, 45, yeah. 45 games, I yeah. thought. But how many of those games did he play? Less than six minutes. You know, I'll bet you 15 of them. So mm-hmm. those games, like, you, you know, the GM told me once, if you're playing less than, than nine or ten minutes a night, you're just trying to be a no-event player. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to have nothing happen when you're out there because you're hopping over the boards. You don't even have a sweat. You're not part of the game. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you go five minutes between shifts. Like it's not fair to judge any young player when you're playing them six minutes. There was games last year he played four minutes. Yeah. Well, so those don't even count in my eyes. Is my point. I mean, how many times last year was he part of the seven defenseman rollout? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's one of the reasons why there he's you go. eleven and seven. Uh, yeah. as you said, Spec. Yeah, he played. Kid. Sorry, he played forty-six games last year, so he's played sixty-nine total games in the NHL. Um, I, I'm not a believer of when uh, execs say uh, you, you need three hundred games to, to figure out if you're an NHL defenseman. I think that number is way too high, especially in this day and age. I think you got to figure that out by one fifty. Um, well, two hundred. Yeah, that's still. I mean, that's two and a half seasons. Two hundred. Like you got to figure it out. Uh, and I mean, I think it's just uh, the way the game has gone. You got to figure it out a little bit sooner. Uh, what did you make of the play of uh, the goaltender last night, Jack Campbell? Yeah, really, really strong. Hey, mm-hmm. really, really good. And you know, the thing about Jack Campbell is he's. You know, I think even last season we saw him make a lot of the five bell huge save, robbery glove hand, all of that stuff. But then he let something in that was far less of a 
difficult chance a couple minutes down the road. So, so last night we saw a guy who was making those huge saves and all the saves he's supposed to make, right? He was very, very, very good for the second night in a row. He's played, mm-hmm. well, just over 120 minutes. He's let in two goals. And one was on the power play. Yeah, Moto goal last night was a power play goal, was it not? I think it was. Uh, I'm going to have to Pretty check sure that out, it yeah. was. Okay. Anyway, the point is two goals in, you know, one even strength goal in two starts for Jack Campbell. Uh, that's very, very good. And that's what you need, man. Like, mm-hmm. we saw Skinner, in my opinion, and a lot of people would agree with me, we saw Skinner get tired in the playoffs last year because the team didn't trust the backup enough to start him. Yeah. And this year, you need a combination of playing Skinner a little less in the regular season, a little bit better of a split if Campbell can play well enough to, to make that work. And you also need a guy where you could look at him in the playoffs and say, you know what, I think we're going to mix this up. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a start because we trust you. And they didn't trust Campbell last year to give him a start. If they could trust him this year... That makes you a much better team, my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Mark Spector on the mark. Rogers Sportsnet every day, 8 o'clock on Sports 1440. So uh, I was saying that a little bit earlier too, Spec. The, the, the ideal situation here is for both these guys to push each other to the max, to the limit. Uh, and if that turns out to be a 50-50 split, I mean, you're going to have a hell of a season because these guys are going to be pushing each other to the extent where the other guy's going, I better play my very best or else I'm not going to see the net for a while. So uh, that would be very critical to the... Uh, Oilers mm-hmm. key. Uh, Xavier Borgo had two goals uh, last night. Uh, we talked about the one that was set up by Philip Broberg. What did you think of his play last night? Yeah, that's what he's, uh, you know, his calling card. Like, there's some guys that, you know, let, we're just talking about Broberg and we're, he, we're giving him time mm-hmm. and we're watching him play and we're trying to figure out and all those things. Borgo, you know, there's things he's got to, obviously, there's certain things every hockey player has to do, but Borgo has to show up on the score sheet. Right, that's the kind of player he is. He's a goal scorer, and I'm not telling you that he's ready to be an NHL goal scorer yet. I don't think he is. I'm, you know, he's going down, but you've seen progress. This, uh, you know, there's a couple guys in this in the Oilers farm system, right? Lavoie's a goal scorer. Borgo's a goal scorer. We're thinking that Savoy's going to be a goal scorer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Those are guys that when they do get their little cameo up here, you want to see pucks go in. And you just you want to be able to say, hey, look, look at Bargo. He can operate with these guys, and he can put a couple away. So good for him. That's going to help his confidence a ton. And I think as an observer, and I'm not telling you I watch him in Bakersfield all the time because yeah. I don't, but as an observer, I see a little bit of growth. I see a guy that last camp, uh, I barely noticed him even a little bit. And this camp, all of a sudden the puck's going in, and you're starting to notice him, and he's getting some chances. And that means he's growing and getting better. One day you're going to need a right winger, and you're going to say, you know what, let's call this kid up, yeah. and maybe he'll be ready. Uh, again, it's just it's part of the maturation process. Uh, I mean, Dylan Holloway, we've he's a little he's a step ahead of yep. where Borgo is right now, only because of what he's done in the past, even with injuries. But uh, Dylan Holloway, very noticeable uh, player last night as well. What were your thoughts on him? Well, he he's uh, see he's so the opposite. You just. He jumps off the page, off mm-hmm. the TV screen at you, the way he plays, right? He's forechecking hard, and he's banging guys, and he's skating all over the place. And, you know, he's his game still wants for probably a little bit of some sometimes a little control, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's just going all the time, which is great. It's easier to 
pull a guy back and get him more his game organized than it is to light a fire under him. And there's no need to light a fire under Dylan Holloway, man. He's you know he's got the speed and the size, and at some point, uh, I think he's the game will. He he still looks to me, and uh, he's going to play. To mm-hmm. me, he's my third line left winger on this team. Yep. But he still looks to me like the very, the young player for whom the game is still going a little fast. Like he's running around like crazy, and I'm not always sure that his hands and his brains and his feet are on the same page. <laughs> but yeah. they'll get there. They'll get there. I mean, Glenn Anderson looked like that when he started. You know, Messier scored one goal or whatever it was his first year. Mm-hmm. So he just, they, he'll take a little time. There's a hell of a player in Dylan Holloway. There's no one no one saying there isn't. Like, there's a good player there. Uh, let's see how what kind of player he turns into. Uh, for sure. And, I mean, those are the guys that you want. And I mean, the coaches always say, you know, I'd rather, uh, you know, not uh, be having to kick the guy in the ass and I'd rather pull the reins back uh, right. on those guys. Sure. Because, again, and they're so young. We have to remember that. Um, but, again, I think everything in the last few years, the you know, the level of play for players coming into the league has increased to such a mark that so many guys are a lot – they're readier early, uh, yep. and I don't know if that's just because they have been at this process for more years. It's 14, 15, 16 years old, or the fact that they have that uh, ability to mature their game once they get here uh, quicker. So, uh, Speck, what's uh, on the go for you today? Down at the rink, 1 o'clock, I guess? Yeah, i got to get down find a piece at 1 o'clock, so uh, we'll see what we write about today. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll sit down with Jack Campbell. I think yeah. it's probably time to talk to him again, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. Uh, and then tomorrow is, what day is today's Cal- yeah. Calgary. game day. Yeah. Tomorrow's game day with Calgary. We're gonna, now we're finally getting down to it. The last two preseason games are generally, you're seeing stronger lineups. You're seeing guys that are... You know, even the Oilers' power play last night, like, they had different, you know, mm-hmm. they ran through all these different defensemen on it, and it doesn't look anything like their power play at this point. No. Bouchard's got to be on that thing for it to operate the way it's supposed to operate, right? Uh, yes, for sure. I mean, that's the number one unit. I mean, I I could see the Oilers not scoring another power play goal in preseason and then banging out three or four on opening night. You know. Maybe, yeah. Like We sure haven't seen... I saw Dreisaitl at least one one-timer mm-hmm. last night. The first one I've seen him this spring, or this fall. Uh, and that, just, just, it's, I'm looking... You know, when I look at that power play, and there's two guys that aren't normally on it, I think, well, what's, who, who's getting what out of mm-hmm. this? Well, so, let's see a full power play. Yeah, game. the other thing, too, Spec, is, you know, after operating at, uh, you know, one for three last year, 33% or whatever it was, there are 30 teams that are in the league right now that their uh, their video guys, their assistant coaches have been pouring over video to figure out how to stop this, especially in the Pacific Division. Not stop it, but limit it. Maybe, you know, you get it down to 25, 20. I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a win for the other teams when you're playing the Oilers. No, that's fair, right? Yeah. And they had a lot of two power play goal games last year. Yeah. And if you, you know, I, I haven't done the research, but if if you looked up what teams' records are when they get two power play goals, I'll bet you they're batting about eight fifty. Exactly. So if you can hold the Oilers to one, you got a chance to beat them, and that's the mantra out there, right? Don't let the power play beat you. So mm-hmm. let's see. All they right. got to figure it out. Thanks, Beck. We'll see you down at the rink this afternoon. All right, Kev. Okay, bud. Uh, that was on the mark. Energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, daily faceoff. Our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, Frank Sarah. Valley coming up after the break on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440.
All right, welcome back to the big program. Time for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter Plumbing. At Mr. Rooter, they only employ the finest organic, grain-fed, free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Face-Off and our headliner of the day. Morning, Frank. How are you, big guy? I'm doing well, Kevin. How are you doing? First uh, month as radio man behind you. I know. Settling in? Yeah, we are settling in. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, people ask me, how, how's it been going? And I say, well, we've only, this is our 21st show. So as you said, one month is basically in the books. But um, it feels in a good, good way that we are uh, done just 21 shows. It feels like we've done way more. Um, so maybe that's that's just the way it, it goes. But it feels really good. So thanks for asking. Uh, so you had your big trip out west. How, how was that? You, we talked to you last Thursday in Red Deer when you're on uh, Gasoline Alley. How was uh, your trip out west to, to cover uh, all the teams out here? Yeah, it wrapped up really well. I think it was. it's always good to spend time just you know, you can't always glean a lot from training camp, but I think what you can glean is a vibe, a sense of how people feel of where things are going, who's mm-hmm. feeling pressure, who isn't. And you can also, um, I think, get a pretty good sense of where teams want to head. And that definitely came through in my trip to Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. And it wrapped up well. Um, now kind of, uh, I think like everyone, we're ready to get the season going. Like enough with the previews, enough with yeah. talking about what might happen. Let's see things start to actually happen. Uh, for sure. So just kind of focus on your trip in Alberta here because when we were talking uh, to you at Gasoline Alley, it was you know, a tough day for the Snow family and, and the mm-hmm. Flames. Uh, you came after just your interviews with Jay Woodcroft and, and guys up here, Leon. So what was that kind of two-day experience in Calgary and Edmonton like for you? Yeah, it's it's really different uh, in both markets. Um, in Calgary, I was really fascinated by how the market specifically seems to be really down on the flames. Hmm. And maybe that's because Edmonton is standing in their way like it was almost the entire 1980s. <laughs> maybe it's because this collection of players that was supposed to be pretty good last year kind of it seemed and felt to them like they had quit. Um, maybe it's because they had expectations and fell way short. I don't know what the proper reason is, but the truth is this Flames team, even though I view them and I think lots of outsiders, are, you know, not in Calgary, view them as a really competitive team this year, they feel like they're underdogs. And then it's so different just going up highway to, mm-hmm. to, to Edmonton where it's go time. It's, it's make or break. This is a huge season, lots of expectations. People are thinking that at some point 97 and 29 are just going to plow through everyone and not be denied. And maybe this is the year. Uh, but I think Edmonton is wearing it kind of quite well for the situation that they're in. Frank Saravalli, our daily headliner for Mr. Reuter on Sports 1440. So can you compare your um, visit here in Edmonton to maybe years past? Uh, was it a totally different feeling than what you got in the last couple of years when you're talking to guys at the start of the season? Yeah, so I've been to Edmonton, I think, a few times to start the year the last maybe six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, each year there was kind of a fear of the unknown. 
you know, this might happen or that might happen, or this team just isn't really quite constructed just right. There's a hole here. And what happens if this happens? I don't get any of that. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason is really kind of for the first time, especially since the trade deadline acquisitions last year, and not to say there wasn't this same sort of feeling last year, but even then there were some question marks still remaining that everyone feels pretty confident that as this team is currently constructed, that they've got a real authentic chance to be a Stanley cup winner. Mm -hmm. And they're in the, I'd say they're in the top three or four. If you expand it out a little bit, uh, you know, some might say, are there seven teams that could win the cup this year? Is it eight? Whatever the number is, barring any surprise, the Oilers should be right in that group and rightfully so. And, Unlike years past, instead of the fear of the unknown, they just seem locked in and laser focused that I think is really, really healthy. Frank Saravalli is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Frank, before we... And what does all that mean? Maybe nothing. Who knows? I mean, there are so many uh, variables and tangibles. Injuries come into play, things like that. So uh, you never know. I mean, you have to really play the games for sure. Uh, Before we get to stuff out east, Frank, um, you had a kind of article and and comments on uh, uh, Trevor Zegers signing that three-year deal with Anaheim. What did you make of that uh, contract in the sense where... I mean, he's looking for the bigger payday down the road even more, but I mean, it's three years, uh, you know, still to sign with the Ducks. It's a, it's a good deal, I think, for, for both sides. Yeah, I, I think this is a deal that the Anaheim Ducks are going to come to regret. Okay. I think Zegris is only going to continue to build. And a year in which the Ducks had, before this contract was signed, $16 million in cap space and lots of flexibility – if you're in that spot, it's just let's bring it home to Edmonton, okay? okay? And let's look at the bridge deal that Evan Bouchard signed. That was out of necessity. They didn't have any other cap space to allocate to him, but in a perfect world, they would have committed a lot more to him now and locked him up for as many years as possible so that in years four, five, six, seven, and eight of the deal, they're the cap hit is much lower compared to what he would be seeking at Mm -hmm. the end of the bridge deal. So the Oilers are going to have to pay and they know it and they recognize it. And they're in that spot because they've got a competitive team and that's the way they're set up. The ducks are the opposite. They're a rebuilding team at the bottom of the league with tons of cap space. And they decided that now this summer was going to be the time to grind two of their young players. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't doesn't make any sense to me. If if you're the Ducks, you want to sign Trevor Zegris, two times sixty point scorer with tons of creativity, and maybe you have some question marks about his game and his maturity and where all this is going and how his game specifically will translate to wins and success for your team. But nonetheless, you know the talent is there and he's a major marketable piece. This guy's on the cover of video games. All the young players know him for his uh, you know, on ice creativity and all that. Five point seven five a year, mm-hmm. it's great for three years for the team. But when this is up in three years, the cap is gonna be close to a hundred million bucks, and you're gonna have to be paying Trevor Zegers if he continues to progress eleven, twelve, whatever that number might be, when right. you could have just paid him nine or eight something now. And then have been done with it. Do you think that offer was on the table, though, Frank, to do sort of like a Jake Sanderson plus a little bit more? It should have been. Okay. 
And I, I, I got the sense that whatever the Ducks put on the table long term wasn't even remotely close to the ballpark that Trevor Zegras thinks that he should be in if he's going to forego that ability to have a shorter term deal. And the Ducks probably feel pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, when this is up, they're going to be like, man, I wish we could have reached and stretched and got to eight. And it, to me, it's kind of unforgivable when you have the flexibility. Frank Saravalli's on Sports 1440. So what do you think happens in three years then? Do you think he's at like in double digits here over 10 mil? I think if he continues to progress and he becomes, you know, from 65 point player to 85 to 100, if he can get there, all of a sudden it's going to be very expensive. And I just felt like it was kind of unnecessary in a year when you could have done it. Uh, yesterday, we uh, in our discussion with Mark Spector, I said I think uh, my pick to win the Norris Trophy is Quinn Hughes. Um, okay. Just, I mean, watching him this year so far, yes, it's preseason, but we know what he can do uh, with the puck, and I think he's getting a little bit better defensively. Uh, if I'm wrong, which probably will happen, uh, who else do you put in that mix uh, moving forward this year? I think for me, it's hard to move past Cal McCarr. Okay. Um, if he didn't miss time last year, I still gave him – um, it wasn't in the number one spot, but I still gave him lots of love on the Naris ballot. And the reason for that is it was purely games missed. Like when he's out there, he's so impactful. The minutes that he chewed up, especially while some of their other guys were hurt last year, there were as a string of time where he averaged like averaged 30 plus minutes a night, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And to be at a point per game, um, he's as good as it gets and a full year of Cal McCarr. Like I just have a hard time seeing a world in which he, he isn't winning the Norris trophy. Um, what do you make of the sports scene in Philadelphia? I guess, uh, you know, with the Phillies Eagles are humming, but the flyers, we all know where they are. So what's it like to be covering kind of that kind of cornerstone of all the pro teams uh, moving forward, I guess, for the next uh, week or two. Yeah. It's a great time to be a Philadelphian. Mm -hmm. Uh, First off, like we've got a picture perfect October day here. It's like 24 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. And you've got pandemonium and playoff baseball (laughs) tonight in South Philly. I'm trying to squeeze as much in as I can today uh, and get done early so I can pack the cooler and do a little tailgating, going to the game with my wife and her best friend. And and uh, and her husband and we're gonna just we're gonna have a ball. How are you swinging all this? You're going to the Eagles game with your son. You're going to the Phillies game with the wife. Oh, man. I'm just I'm lucky to be like tomorrow. <laughs> so it's gonna be a late night tonight, eight oh eight Eastern first pitch. And tomorrow I've got the board of governors meeting in New York. So oh. it's uh there's is a lot to squeeze in. But if I can, especially early in the season before games start and everything else. Try and get it in when I can. So how do you get you? So you're be at the game, and then you got to zip to New York really early. How's that? How's that work? Yeah. So we actually live pretty close to New York. Like okay. there's a train, I don't know, 15 minutes away that can get me there in 50 minutes. Hmm. So um, it's uh, it's pretty nice. Oh, cool. Frank Saravalli on Sports 1440. Uh, all he does is go to Eagles games, goes to Phillies games. Uh, <laughs> man, what a life. Uh, so what do you make of this series with the Marlins? Uh, I would say I'm, I'm slightly nervous Okay, and it sounds funny to say, but last year going into St. Louis, the Phillies were on the road. They were the last wild card team that made it in. But for whatever reason, I was like, they're sweeping the cards. Like it's going to be cake. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think they would beat the Braves in the next round, but this time around, I'm like, Ooh, the Phillies didn't look so great against the Marlins this year. And 
the Marlins actually have a couple pretty decent pitchers, and there's something about that team that has like they just got a little bit of spunk. Mm-hmm. A true underdog in the sense that like no one is expecting anything of them. And the Phillies, after going to the World Series last year, speaking of expectations, people are thinking, oh, this team's just going to pick up where they left off in the playoffs last year, and, and that's not how it works. Um, I have some real questions about the Phillies' bullpen, mm-hmm. and it'll be fun. I think I think they win the series, but I think they need three games. Hmm. You, you know, and sorry, go ahead, Frank. They're heavy favorites, yeah. yeah. So that's um, it's going to be interesting to see it play out. You know, Lazardo for Miami, he could give up six runs, uh, and he could also give up none and strike out twelve. That's how he pitches. Uh, he, he's either hit or miss. But um, what's it like for you, I guess? So when you cover the Flyers in particular, let's just because you are a Philly guy, what's mm-hmm. it like covering? So you have to have that objectivity when you're covering the Flyers, et cetera. But now just by listening to you uh, in the last few weeks talking about the Eagles and the Phillies, you're more of a fan. So how do you kind of balance that and bridge that sort of being a journalist and a broadcaster, I guess? I'm glad you asked that because for the longest time, I have avoided showing any fandom. And mm-hmm. I, I actually lost it because when I first started in my career, I did cover the Phillies and I did cover the I, – during one of the NHL lockouts, I went to every Eagles game home and road and every practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done all of that and I – for. Because of that, I kind of held on to that objectivity and lost the fandom part of it. But once I got to, I don't know, last year, the year before, and I'm like now in my 15th year covering the NHL, mm-hmm. I'm not going back. I'm never going <laughs> to be just a, a general Philly sports guy. So I figured, you know what, maybe now's the time. And then I kind of fell in love with it was this Phillies team last year, mm-hmm. last August and September that brought out the fandom in me again, spending time with my son and daughter at the ballpark. And I was like, you know what? I'm all in. I'm, I, it's okay to root for something. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, uh, it was those two teams and kind of an awesome time to re, you know, find your love again of, of being a fan with the success that these two teams in particular have had. Are you a bigger Phillies fan by far than an Eagles fan? Um, I would say it's pretty split, pretty okay. even. Um, and uh, I, Angel Hernandez, to me, I mean, yeah, and you know where I'm going with this with Bryce Harper. Did you see that oh. he was rated as the worst umpire? <laughs> and like by he only did he only had ten games, 161 <laughs> bad calls in ten games. It's, Let me ask you this. Yeah. So I'm actually concerned that this is the first time we're going to see the postseason with a pitch clock. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They were talking about changing the length between pitches from yeah. fifteen to twenty or twenty to twenty-five. Yeah. And I just there's such a drama about playoff baseball when you're in the building. There, like, you can almost feel the collective inhale and exhale of the whole building in between pitches. Uh-huh. And I'm worried that with how quick it is for the postseason in particular, it might feel different now. I don't think so personally because I think the guys are used to it. Uh, they've had the year under their belts where they, and I think if they would have gone, uh, added anywhere between say five or seven seconds, I think that now I think that would have created more problems than just leaving it the way it is. I get that. Yeah. I just, it's, I wonder if it changes the dynamic of it though. I just think now you're going to have even more emotion, more uh, like on your edge of your seat. Uh, it'll be even be elevated because of that's how it's, because everything's ramped up, right? 
So yeah, um, it'll be interesting. I, I'm I can't wait to see it. Oh, it's going to be so exciting, man! We're just so jealous of you here, Frank. I mean, the, you, you know, we were talking about after when you uh, uh, when you hung up on uh, from Gasoline Alley. Like we, you should have had this tour of Western Canada sponsored by we. We had some Italian restaurant chain. We, it wasn't yeah, Mario Brothers, right, Duke? Uh, you know, Frank's tour of Western Canada sponsored by uh, uh, Eastside Mario's is what it was. Yeah. And then all anything not, yeah. I can I can I can pass whoever's interested along to our, our sales guy Jared. <laughs> I know, and uh, and now you're like, can you get somehow? Can you sponsor this game tonight somehow? I'd be uh, I'd be unreal. <laughs> I'll take whatever I can get. Well, Frank, enjoy the game tonight, and then the the uh, BOG tomorrow. We'll talk about that on Thursday. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Thanks a lot, Kevin. All right, that's uh, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff, among other things, our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. Duke, uh, any, would you like me to go through one of the tips for plumbing uh, for Mr. Rooter just to kind of, well, what have we got? Uh, test drains and toilets. Uh, test all drains and toilets for proper drainage and flushing to identify any potential blockages. That kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? I test my toilet every day, Kev. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe you do. Uh, depends. And I'll tell you, I really tested that uh, hotel bathroom uh, <laughs> Sunday morning. Well, so that was, we haven't really got into that. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit. So it was a lot rougher than you, like a, it was a good wedding. Let's just say that. It, it was. And I, I, there's one thing that anybody that knows me, I cannot turn down a good time. I <laughs> And I, like, if something is kind of like, in the middle, like a night can go one way or the other. I will do everything in my power to like crank it up and uh, make it a night that everybody will, well, maybe not remember, but try to remember anyway because <laughs> of the uh, the good time everyone had. So that's just yeah, a little bit about me. If you've got a text for the Duke, uh, send it our way one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Maybe you want to go to Manville, hang out with the Duke this Saturday in Manville for nine holes. Uh, at the Manville Golf Course. It's going to be a hoot, we can tell you that. Uh, when we come back, a little open time with the Duke. Plus, uh, Bryn Griffiths will guest with us 9 to 11 as our co-host filling in for Grant Fear today. Uh, and Bryn just sent me a text, Duke, so we're going to have to maybe work the phones a little bit. We'll see. Uh, Daryl Davis, Regina Leader Post. And we had a um, couple texts about Daryl. Uh, Daryl unable to make it. I believe he's probably having to do something with the riders, I would imagine, at 10 o'clock. So we'll hook up with Daryl Davis. We're going to talk a lot of things about, uh, oh, man, anything with Daryl. You can talk uh, the texture that came in. Uh, Racquetball Canada, but such a long writer for the Regina Leader Post. We'll get Daryl on another time. Uh, still a whole lot more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Pigskin Report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Stop in for an oil change. No appointment necessary. Be winter ready at one of their nine Edmonton locations. Uh, you can check things out at mrlube.com. We're going to talk a little Monday Night Football with the Duke of Delburn. Uh, and also, also, Duke, you had some fans down in Delburn talking about your party days. Uh, this is from Eric in Delburn. Do you know this guy, Eric from Delburn? How many stories do you want me to tell? Looks like, sounds like he's an old buddy of yours. Well, I'm trying to, there's a few Eric's I know. I'm curious about which one this is. I don't recognize the number. It's a 7801, <laughs> so he must not still be kicking around down in Delburn if he's uh, 
repping a 780 area code but uh wow. yeah i'll have to do some digging in my own personal oh riggins oh good oh no yeah yeah they, yeah there's a few <laughs> stories that some of these folks got on me but <laughs> well, uh, well talk about kicking around that's what happens la- happened last night in the uh, nfl monday night game seattle absolutely crushed the new york giants 24 to 3 11 sacks by the seattle defense the giants as you mentioned in your sports update um this is their third prime time was their third prime time game on uh out of four They've been outscored 77 to 9 in the first half this year. The primetime games have just been absolutely abysmal. They did were able they came back. They were down how many points to Arizona 30? 28 30? 28 28 30 to to come back for their only win of the year. It doesn't get any easier for the Giants because now they got to go on the road for two. Miami and Buffalo, both teams 3 and 1 after Buffalo beat the Finns uh, on Sunday. This season's it's over already. We're 4 weeks in for the New York Giants. Because of what's going on in the NFC East with Dallas, with Philadelphia, with even with even Washington. I mean, Washington has looked 10 times better than the Giants. This season's over for the Giants a month into the season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I wasn't particularly heady on the Giants coming in. They had a terrific year last year. There's no denying it. They won a playoff game, for goodness sakes. And you can maybe question if that was on their own merits or the lack thereof of the Vikings in that game. But the lack, uh, Saquon Barkley's absence mm-hmm. is so noticeable. And it turns what was this team that could run the ball down your throat because whether it was in Daniel Jones's hand uh, hands or Saquon's, now all of a sudden, like, I'm sorry, Matt Breida, you're – you're not that guy. Yeah. And, and and we're seeing it all firsthand. And I feel bad for Daniel Jones because he did have such a good last year, got rewarded with the big deal, which raised a lot of eyebrows. Forty million. Uh, how right? much money he's getting paid for a guy yeah. that hasn't really shown he can do what a forty million dollar quarterback is expected to do. Um, and he just got the living crap oh, beat out of him last night. And I mean, and they kept trotting him back out there. The game even is even with over. five minutes left. I mean like like Terod Taylor came in for what, the last drive? Yeah. They, they kept him in even with five, six minutes. He was still getting pounded. I mean, Troy Aikman had the best line. He was, again, whatever, 93, 94 when he was talking about. And he said, I got ripped. I got pounded 11, 12 times. This feels and looks worse. And he was on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. Like he, was, he felt that that looked worse than, than when he was playing and getting crushed. Um, $40 million per year. It's a four-year, $160 million deal. Well, I don't even know. I mean, between uh, actually, well, Zach Wilson did have a good game, decent game on on Sunday. But how much how much stock you can put into that moving forward? New, New York Is quarterbacks. It? I'm just that's where I'm going with this. Yeah. New York quarterbacks. I mean, they just can't they they can't buy a quarterback in that market. Well, and the tough thing is too, like you have Eli Manning on the the Manning Pass <laughs> version yeah. of the broadcast, and of course. He was he was this one staple in the New York market, and he had his great years in the last couple of years. You know, maybe not so much. Uh, that's something Struddy can elaborate on later today. I think with uh, yeah. when he's on with Greg's, but the fact that Eli Manning has to sit there and watch this on a Monday night, and the one pick six, or the the yeah. only pick six, I should say. If I didn't watch the Manning broadcast, but you see a clip of it on Twitter afterwards, he's just oh no, oh yeah. no, oh no, and it's Devin Weatherspoon. What um, a game! Oh. I mean, now you look at that trade, the trade that uh, Seattle made with Denver. That was the fifth overall selection in the trade. So they pick up this corner, Devin Weatherspoon. He had a 90, was it 97 or 93-yard touchdown last night mm-hmm. on the INT, pick six. Couple sacks. Couple sacks. Um, 
he was just ripping guys in the backfield. Uh, the broadcast again, Troy Aikman and and and, uh, and Buck just kept saying, you know, this is a star in the making. And what it, uh, there's another critical line, and so well informed by Troy Aikman. This guy reminds me of another uh, another guy that uh, maybe another number twenty one, uh, Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. You know, and we haven't maybe this guy can I don't know can he play receiver too? Maybe he can run back kicks. I don't know. <laughs> Man, but yeah. Um, so if the Giants are in this position right now, where do you go forward? I mean, what 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 do you do? Uh, Wandale Robinson looked okay last night. Had a few catches. Yep. Uh, they're just waiting, just waiting for Saquon Barkley to get back. Brita had over seventy yards rushing, but again, he was getting just you know clobbered in the backfield. I, I, I don't know where this – and uh, Darren Waller, was he even on the field? He had one catch heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, this is just a team in total disarray. Struddy must just feel, why am I on Tuesdays? I should have taken <laughs> I should have taken Thursdays or yeah, something. Yeah, let, like, let some of the uh, misery oh, from the Giants man. weekends all season kind of dissipate throughout the week and then uh, loop back to it on a Thursday or Friday, I guess. Yeah. But. In case you missed it, uh, I did text Struddy last week around – I think it was 21-3. Or maybe it was not even 21-3. All I did was send one word to him. It was just one word, and it said pitiful. And um, he sent one word back saying, ouch. So biggest Giants fan in town for sure. Uh, The one thing that really I think a lot of people noticed was the relationship, the body language between head coach Brian Dable and quarterback Daniel Jones, especially after uh, the pick six by Witherspoon. They went back to the sidelines, and you could kind of see – Daniel Jones walked by Dable to get to where the bench was. And then they would have, I think they probably went to commercial break, came back. Then they had the video of Dable going, what are you looking at? This is what you're seeing. Then Dable in the news conference after, uh, he was short. He didn't say much. Probably was, you know, he was asked about that kind of, uh, what happened in that discussion between yourself and and uh, Daniel Jones? He kept it to himself. So this is a, a situation where this team, again, with games, road games in both Miami and uh, then Buffalo. Whew, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? Um, Fantasy-wise, did anything catch your eye last night in that game, Duke? I mean, the only thing really of note was I'd mentioned it defense? yesterday, my... Um my opponent in one of my mm-hmm. leagues had Daniel Jones, needed him to have like a 30-point night, uh, not even close. Obviously, I think most uh, standard leagues had him around eight points or so. And then we had a couple different texts during uh, Fantasy Frenzy with Connor Halley yesterday that uh, there were a couple guys needed just super modest games uh, from Darren Waller. Um, I think they needed something maybe from Tyler Lockett on the other side who had a good night, but it didn't really um, equivocate to much fantasy points because mm-hmm. he was kept out of the end zone, only nine. So I, I think there was a lot of people left disappointed because like, you, I, I'm just looking, CBS is a great site I like mm-hmm. to use for because uh, they list out the box score and actually have a whole column of fantasy point scoring. Nobody had more than like 13 fantasy points last night except probably the Seattle defense. Seattle defense, I have it right here, Duke. One touchdown, 11 sacks, two interceptions, one fumble. Uh, they gave up three points, only 248 yards of offense by the Giants for 37 big ones. Yeah, man, we've seen a couple great defensive performances already this year. Uh, the biggest one so far would have been Buffalo. 
Was that no? There was a well. Um, the the Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys in week one was forty nine. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, I guess when you're playing fantasy football, take the defense who the Giants are playing. That seems like a good because I know a lot of people use the strategy of just mm-hmm. add and drop a defense pretty much every week unless you have one that you're really really keen on per se or maybe you don't need your defense to be terrific. You just need them to not lose you a game scoring negative points. But uh, Seahawks are on a buy this week. Uh, same with the Chargers. So will be interesting. Would you would you stash a defense for one week if they're on a bye? Probably not. Eh? It, I think it would depend on the one. Like if you have, say, the Cowboys defense, yeah. maybe the Eagles defense. Uh, like but, I have the Jets defense. I played them last last week. Um, they ended up uh, giving up the the points in the third quarter there mm-hmm. and stuff where uh, it kind of they didn't end up with much despite a couple picks on Patrick Mahomes so I don't know I'm not as like if I'm going to be using add and drops and if uh, spending fab dollars or moving my spot in the waiver wire I'd rather use them on roster players rather than a defense yeah. on a week-to-week basis that's just me so but realistically over a bye week the Chargers defense definitely not I don't think anybody should be playing them <laughs> um, the Seattle's defense I probably not like they're good, but they're not. Um, I don't think in that top, top echelon that is worth holding on to them uh, yeah. over a bye week for. All right. That was the pigskin report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Be winner ready at mrlube.com. At the top of the hour, we will welcome in our guest co-host filling in for Grant Fear today. And that would be none other than Bryn Griffiths, longtime broadcaster, worked with the Oilers. Uh, it will be interesting to kind of get his point of view on. Ah, the broadcast industry, where it was, where it is, where it's going, uh, among other things. Uh, before we do that, uh, we've got a sports update brought to you by Cattail Crossing. Enjoy half-price golf Monday to Thursday. Elevate your game without emptying your wallet. Book your tee time today. CattailCrossing.ca. Here is the Duke.